This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle, including the office, trucking, the trades, and even motherhood. We power women on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Kathy and I want everyone to have a fantastic holiday season and stay inspired and entertained. In the spirit of that, we decided to give back to our listeners by featuring segments of our special interviews on Women Road Warriors. We chose some excerpts from interviews that fit with the new year coming up. They're lively, humorous, and even educational. I think this first segment is going to intrigue you. It's about mind reading with internationally famous mentalist Jonathan Pritchard. Ever wanted to read your man's mind or somebody's mind you don't even know? You may be able to learn how in this segment. Give it a listen. Wouldn't it be nice if you could read the minds of the people you meet in business or socially? How about being able to read the mind of a man you meet or are involved with? Sometimes we all wish we were psychic. Jonathan Pritchard is a nationally known professional mind reader who's highly sought after for his skills. He's a mentalist turned coach and consultant. He's the author of Think Like a Mind Reader, Improve Your Business, Strengthen Your Relationships, and Solve Your Problems. He calls his book The Think and Grow Rich of the 21st Century. Jonathan helps companies engage their audiences and highly ambitious people start their own personal brand businesses. Jonathan is the founder of several companies that help businesses be more successful through the power of applied psychology. We asked Jonathan on the show today to lend his insight and maybe give our women listeners a glimpse into the possibility of reading a man's mind. Welcome, Jonathan. We're so excited to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. But man, with a with an intro like that, I sound amazing to me. Like, I want to meet that guy. You really are amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> I want to meet that guy. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Jonathan, I think we've all been there. If we could only read someone's mind, I think there was a song even written about if I could only read your mind, what a powerful skill that would be. Uh, before we delve into how to read somebody's mind, though, especially the minds of men, I thought we'd talk a bit about your background. We've heard the term mental telepathy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if that's what that is. I thought you could educate our audience on what exactly a mentalist is and how you got started. All I can think of is this had to have been a huge advantage as a child if you could read the minds of your parents and stuff. <laughs> yes, my, my parents are absolutely saints because they, they're very patient and a seven-year-old kid hassling you with yet another trick is, is I could only imagine how <laughs> frustrating <laughs> that is. So I, I've got nothing but good things to say about my parents. They're, they're just long-suffering saints as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> 
Yeah. So when did you realize you had this skill and how exactly does it work? Yeah. Yeah. So for, for me, it started as a magic trick set is really it. My dad got me one when I was, I think like six years old for Christmas or something. And he was just like, yeah, I figured this will wind up in the trash in a couple of hours. And a year later, I'm still messing around with all the tricks that were in the kit. And that was the beginning of a lifelong obsession. So the way that I think about it is kind of like, imagine if you were a professional magician and you could make tigers appear and, and all that kind of stuff. To me, that's getting a college degree in amazement and human psychology. And then mentalism is if you went to get your master's degree or your PhD in applied psychology. So as a mentalist, I'm able to leverage the ways that people think and interact with reality to make them come to the conclusions that I want them to come to that may or may not be in alignment with reality. Wow. So I, I don't claim to have any kind of supernatural skills. I'm not talking to dead people. I, uh, I'm not doing anything like that. It's all literally applied psychology, showmanship, and having enough moxie to pull it off in front of an, an audience of 3,000 very intelligent human beings. Wow. <laughs> That's all oh. I can say. So you're not actually hearing people's thoughts or something. No, no, I, I can make it look like I can. And, and part of my background is that my mentor actually had a million dollar challenge. He put a million bucks into an escrow account and said, okay, if you claim to genuinely be psychic or have some kind of supernatural powers, okay, cool. Well, then you tell us what you can do under what conditions and how accurate you can be with what you do. Based on that, we will design a simple pass-fail test that if you pass, then you get the million bucks. And the, the quirk is that those tests, if you had psychic abilities, you, you should be able to pass it easily, 20 seconds done. But if you were trying to trick your way to the money, well, it turns out that my mentor, James Randi, has been a magician his whole life, and he knows all the ways that you're going to try to trick your way in, and the test won't let you do the trick that you're used to doing if you're used to doing tricks to make it look like you can do this stuff. Mm -hmm. So unsurprisingly, nobody ever got past the first round of testing because we haven't seen anybody that actually have those skills pass a very simple test. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so for me, it's, it's less that this, this doesn't exist and nobody can do it. It's more of a, of all the people who claim to say they really can, I haven't seen them do it once to my satisfaction, knowing all the ways that you could trick human beings into believing weird stuff. You're pretty amazing. Um, you've been on national TV and all of that. You you talk to big audiences. What exactly do you do for people who haven't seen you? So for for I, I kind of see it in two or three different ways. 
because I got started as a straight up performer entertainer. Hey, come see my 70 minute mind reading show where I'm going to predict the future. I'll read your minds. You take a, a dollar bill out of your wallet and I'll tell you the serial numbers on it. Mm-hmm. All those kinds of classic mind reader esque tricks and, and experiences. And I, I toured the world doing that and entertaining college kids was a, a big part of the first 10 years or so of what I was doing. And one of my favorite parts is after the show with the autograph line and people buying books and shirts and all that kind of stuff and just getting to talk to people afterwards. And imagine you grew up believing with your whole heart that I need to study to get good grades in school, to get into a good college so that I can get a good degree, to get a good job after college, and then retire with the gold watch. So that's that's been your whole life. All of your family, all of your friends, your community, they're all saying that. And then at that college, you see some guy on stage who's able to do things you've never thought possible and you're telling me that that's that's your job? Did you get a college degree for that? Oh no, but who who would do that? <laughs> so I would I would just destroy a lifetime's worth of programming with the show. Mm-hmm. So these college students are going, wait a minute, how how do how do you do this? How do you make a living at this? Like, wait, my world is no longer the same. <laughs> so I would talk to college students after the show about, oh, here's here's how I got started. Here's what I do. Here's how I make a living at it. And then a couple of years after those started, I start getting emails back saying, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but you came to my college, did a show, talked to me for 10 minutes after, completely changed my life. Here's what I'm doing now. And it it wouldn't have been possible if you hadn't opened my mind to it. That's so, so that cool. was it. Yeah, that that it's cool and also nerve wracking mm-hmm. because, listen, I was just talking off the cuff there i was just making i i I, there was no planning to this i'm glad Mm -hmm. it went well for you (laughs) because it could have just been the other direction but that was the first the first peek into the way that i think the experiences i've had the strategies i use that seem very normal to me because of how weird my life is is really weird to normal people (laughs) so so that was my first inkling that maybe I should start sharing as much of this stuff as I can because other people seem to get something out of it. That was that was the beginning of kind of the coaching and corporate consulting and speaking and mm-hmm. sales training and writing books and helping at trade shows like all of that stuff came out of that that feedback. So what kind of amazing things do you do on stage? If you maybe could give us the cliff notes so you could amaze our listeners because your skill is tremendous. Well, thank you. Like, for example, um, say you were out, you wanted to come see the show and it starts fairly believable and then ramps up from there because I want to get a lot of buy-in from people going, all right, yeah, I mean, I could probably figure out, yeah, okay. And then it just kind of walks them into impossible world. But basically imagine I walk out on stage, I've got a little envelope, 
and I point to somebody and say, name a number between zero and nine. That's all 10 digits available to you, whichever one you want. And they say seven. Okay, cool. Point to somebody else that you don't know. You, sir, name a number between zero and nine. Okay, eight. Great. You point to somebody else. All right, three and four. All right, so four total strangers, seven, eight, three, four. Cool. Hand the envelope to a person in the front row and written on a card inside the envelope says seven, eight, three, four. So good luck. <laughs> and it gets weirder from there. That's right? cool. Yeah. So people that are just awestruck. Yeah. Yeah. Which that that did take a lot of getting used to, especially for clients that book me. I have to tell them how to interpret what is about to happen because most people think that a live performance, when it's great, you get a standing ovation and people clap a lot. Well, when I do what I do, people are literally stunned silent as they're trying to figure out, is this real? What did that just happen? Like I just watched it, but there's no way that he knew what that was. So it's just dead silent for a solid 30 seconds, mm -hmm. which is a really long time to have uh, nothing yeah. happen. Oh yeah. You man. know, I, I can get that because I was a, a guest, uh, uh, an audience member of uh, masters of illusions last February uh, with Dean Kane, that show. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I got, yeah. And so I was in the audience, you know, where they pay you for a hundred bucks to spend and sit there and clap, but yep. I got to go on stage for um, a similar thing. So I, I get on stage and he was supposed to hypnotize me, but, uh, he said, just, yeah, we don't have time. So just, you know, when I snap my fingers, pretend that you are hypnotized, <laughs> yep. you know, for the camera's sake. And I'm like, okay. And he said, but after he says, we'll, we'll do a numbers thing. I'm like, okay. So this, he asked me to, you know, randomly pick numbers, which I did in my head. And he was, there was cards kind of like what you said, where it was on the, on the floor and he would pick the numbers that I was thinking in my head. And I, I could, and he wrote them on the board or his assistant wrote them on the board, which shocked me because there's no, in my mind, there's no possible way he could have known the numbers that I picked. Right. right and right. I was stunned silent, just like you said, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, how is that possible? Right. Right. It's not yeah. a, let me clap for that. It's a, it, my understanding uh, of reality is fundamentally <laughs> broken. Uh, this yeah. is not okay. Make make my world okay. <laughs> right? Jonathan, all of this is super fascinating. And we want to get into more detail about how all this mind reading stuff works. Get into your mind, if you will. Plus, we want to answer that age-old question, how do you read a man's mind? We all want to know. We're going to do that in our next segment. If you want to learn more about Jonathan Pritchard's insights, techniques, and secrets in the segment I was referring to, be sure to tune in to episode number 94 on the Women Road Warriors podcast. Check out our episodes page on womenroadwarriors.com or look for the episode wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in Women Road Warriors. We're on all the major podcast channels like Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and others. Stay tuned for more great episode segments on our New Year's special coming up. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. 
I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country, and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to MyTaxHelpMD.com for a free consultation and get your life back. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you're enjoying this informative episode of Women Road Warriors, I wanted to mention Kathy and I explore all kinds of topics that will power you on the road to success. We feature a lot of expert interviews. Plus, we feature celebrities and women who've been trailblazers. Please check out our podcast at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. We're also available wherever you listen to podcasts on all the major podcast channels like Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon Music, Audible, you name it. Check us out and bookmark our podcast. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, and other sites. And tell others about us. We want to help as many women as possible. Up next, we have a humorous and informative segment. I think you're really going to like. We've all navigated the dating scene, and often women have referred to some men they encounter as real pigs. This next segment takes that statement to a new level. It's a funny, satirical, tongue-in-cheek look at dating and relationships with scientific evidence. It's authored by two men who take a self-effacing look at dating with their book, Know Your Man, Playful Advice for Understanding Your Man Pig. It really is cool. Enjoy the episode. We like to feature guests who can assist women in being the best they can be, and dating is one of those topics. We've covered it before, but it's never too much to talk about because it's an important one. Sometimes it seems women have to kiss a lot of frogs before they can find the right one. Some end up with some real doozies, and some of these guys have even been referred to as pigs when they're the obvious wrong choice. Today, we have Michael Coogan, the co-author of Know Your Man, Playful Relationship Advice for Understanding Your Pig. Michael wrote this humorous book that's informative with William Burton. This great book talks about women who selected their man based on instinct, took him home, and sooner or later discovered not only did they have the wrong man, they in fact had acquired a real pig. They try to train him, but that just makes him ill-tempered and ornery. Nobody wants an ornery pig. So they dump him and they go back to the pig pen to select another man who's often worse than the first one. As the book discusses, this cycle of embarrassment, frustration, and heartache dealing with total pigs can continue for years as women search for that special man to enjoy their life with. Michael has some terrific and humorous insight to help women stop making these mistakes. He could describe the nine different types of men, which is based on psychological tests. Welcome, Michael. This is terrific to have you on the show with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate being on your show today. You know, this is going to be a fun discussion. We've all heard the phrase, men can be real pigs. So what motivated you and your co-author to write about men who end up being real? 
<laughs> good description. Um, a couple of things. I have an older sister and we used to have the conversation that her frustrations with meeting men and, and she always seemed to pick the bad, the bad guy and, you know, try to make it work. And simply like I said before, just go back and back and forth, trying to find over and over again. And I used to tell her, I said, you know, look, men are, men are simple, but we're not stupid. You guys are complex and make things complex. And if you can kind of learn the, the perspective and angle and types of people we are, um, it's, we're a lot easier to, to deal with and, and work with. And, and one of the things I told her is, I, you know, there's always this, this premise that most people have that men and women pick each other. And at the end of the day, we used to say, no, women choose men. You know, men don't choose women. I mean, women have the ultimate choice at the end of the day. I mean, if, if, if something's going to go forward, it's going to be based on the woman saying, yes, yeah, not the man. So, so we used to think, well, why don't, why don't women know all these things? And my friend Burton, we're complete polar opposites. We, we work together in, in high tech industry. We used to get together at lunch and dinners and talk and, and have this humorous conversation. And then we started sharing that with people. And then I used to do some training in sales processes. And I would use relationships as an example for explaining communication in business. And people would laugh at it. So that's kind of the origination of it. And we thought, well, we should write this down and share some of the tips and perspectives from a male's perspective so that women would have some tools and approaches to be able to, to do this differently than what's assumed. Well, you know, it really resonates because I've heard more than once women talking, uh, God, he's a real pig. You know, it's, it, it's just <laughs> so appropriate. So what constitutes a pig versus a man? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I mean, it's it, it, we kind of did the tongue in cheek when, that term came up. I was actually meeting with some people in San Jose and and told a joke. And a, a woman walked by. It was very crowded. We were outside on the patio. And a woman walked by and, and kind of overheard the punchline. And she just said, you know, you guys are pigs. You guys are all pigs. And I, I said, well, wait a minute. And I said, that's not fair. I said, you know, they're, you're, you're right. We are. But there's good pigs and there's bad pigs, just like there's anything else in life. So why don't you know your pig? And aren't you picking good pigs? And she turned around and said, what, what are you talking about? And, and unfortunately, the friends that were with me had no idea that I already had the outline of the book. I was planning on doing this. And she goes, can I sit down? I said, sure. I said, I said, look, I said, there's, there's good pigs and bad pigs. And if you understood how you select them, had some communication tips and approaches and look at it with a little bit of humor, we're a lot easier to to work with and help you find what you want. And guys that are real pigs know themselves and don't have a problem with being themselves and they want relationship just like you do. So don't la label us all as bad pigs. So you know, one of the things we did was, was there's lots of psychological character tests out there. And, and one we chose was the Enneagram test. And I flew out and met Dr. Daniels, who was a Stanford PhD professor and who created, um, the Enneagram and met with him and said, can we use your output for this? Because it applies to men and women, but it's a real simple test. that has nine character types mm -hmm. and it falls into, you know, pretty much everybody can find their, their type and, and your characteristics find on that. So if you know the type of type of pig you're looking for a man and you know, the state of mind they're in, you know, women are very complex. You know, one of the other things we did was, was, um, the science behind women's brains and men's brains is completely different. There was a female researcher called Lou Brezidine, I believe is how you pronounce it, who wrote a book called The Female Brain. And she was an MIT and Harvard professor who, who basically did a lot of scientific research and got a lot of flack for, for her output. But basically said the woman's brain is much more dense, smaller. It grows holistically. 
you know, at, at 16 weeks when testosterone gets injected to the man's brain, it kind of disturbs the brain and focuses, doesn't grow holistically, less neurons, grows bigger, focuses on hunting, gathering, you know, sexual conquest, those areas grow bigger than the others. So the net of it was that women's brains are, they're, they're able to multitask, they can do multifunctions, multi-emotions, they can process things a lot quicker, which makes for the complexity. So having those two things and go, okay, well, if, if women act this way and men act that way, you know, what we broke it down is how do you simplify figuring out what a man is and how they act? One of the things we say is, you know, most men and when, you know, one of the things the woman said too, she said, well, you guys are always horny. And I said, no, no, no. Men are in one of six states, you know, 90% of the time. And depending on that state is how you want to interact with them. So the six states are happy, hungry, horny, hurry, tired, and angry. And I used to say, look, if it sounds you know, like the seven dwarfs, right? Exactly. Snow White <laughs> yeah, what dwarf for you? Dwarfs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I said, I could, I could tell you when I'm angry, I am not horny. <laughs> and when I'm hungry, you know, so, you know, you can have some fun with it. And, you know, from a communication point of view and stuff is like, okay, when I'm hungry, I, I can't think, you know? And so yeah. it became, the conversation became really fun and she started having fun. And I said, look, guys get guys and, and you guys overthink it because you're complex. But if you simplify it, look at it from, a, from our perspective, it's a lot easier for you. So there are nine pig types. What are the nine pig types? Um, well, we had taken the we had taken the um, the output of the Enneagram and kind of kind of uh, re, re um, labeled them just so we could have it. So basically the types are the excellent pig, the charitable pig, acrobat, sentimental, watcher, unbeliever, gourmet, guard pig, and diplomat. So I'm a type seven gourmet pig, which means I like good food, good wine, enjoyable times, make sure everybody's happy, having a fun, you know, high energy, get everybody talking, stuff like that. My co-author Burton is a type three pig. He's the Brian Dennehy type, the very astute, you know, conservative, has a huge presence, doesn't say a lot, walks into a room. Everybody's like, oh, my God, who's this guy? You know, quiet and speaks, speaks with authority. And, and people look at us and go, how do, two, how do you two get together? But we, we, have, a, we have a synergy kind of like you two do, mm-hmm. and, and it just connects. Mm-hmm. So we took the output of the Enneagram types and said, okay, how do we break this down and say, okay, this is kind of the characteristics. And when you read, you know, there's short paragraphs that say, yeah, and the whole book's not huge. It's 120 pages or so. It, the whole idea is to give you, a, have fun, get an idea of the types of people, put a framework around and a process around how you engage people under the structure of having a conversation. And mm-hmm. guys, you know, like a lot of women say, well, there's no good men out there. Well, that's not true. There are good that's men out there. That's not true. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I came from a very abusive background my entire life. And so I had a real issue um, with men and my... Uh, uh, the way I viewed them. And I ended up being becoming a heavy equipment operator going into a man's world. And literally I was only the third woman hired and we're now 170 and there's only 12 women. And I was really apprehensive about that. But let me tell you something, I've been there for nine years and I have learned that there are so many good men and whatever the ones that I chose, the pigs that I chose (laughs) were okay. Maybe the, the two worst pigs that I chose, I was really under the influence of alcohol. So you don't make good decisions. <laughs> right? Mm, right? Yeah. And then once I was in it, I was like, Oh shit, how do I get out? Right. <laughs> but, uh, 
No, but my job has taught me there's some excellent, excellent, excellent men out there that would have that they have taught me about, you know, patience and, and just general goodness <laughs> all around. Right. So yeah. Right. And I tell women that a lot. Don't don't base your uh, don't put all all the, the men in the one pot, right? Because just because you, you had bad experiences one or two or three, that doesn't mean they're all like that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of men out there when we were interviewing them and stuff like that. And friends of mine and people today, a lot of good men hate the fact that a lot of other men have screwed it up for them. Yeah. And so they're on the same page as women. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael, did you want to maybe go through the different pigs, the nine different pig types? Type one I'm seeing is the excellence pig. Maybe kind of summarize all the characteristics for everybody. That'd be good. Um, well, I can, I can go, I haven't, I can going through each one is kind of, I can go in a little bit on each one. I can tell you more about me and Burton and stuff. I mean, each one is kind of unique. Um, I would say that is more of a personal preference. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the thing that we found with people is that a lot of them, the communication questions, um, and style and, 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 uh, versus the personality types, people usually have, you know, one or two or three types they like, you know, outward expressive, Mm -hmm. um, types versus the actual communication. The communication seemed to be the types that, that got people really, um, interested in terms of how they communicated with somebody as the man. Are there, but I can, but I can, if you like, whatever you like to do, I mean, you can do. Yeah. I mean, maybe just a brief sentence for each one. Cause I think women want to know which is the most desirable pig or which one should be bacon. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's specific to a woman. Okay. So what you like might not okay. be uh, what someone else likes. And it's, you know, that's like I said, we had, we've had times when we've talked with women's groups and, and I did a, I did a speech with 20 women here the other well, last year here in Scottsdale. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this kind of dialogue is it, and the book, even though it's a small book and it's humorous and all that, it becomes the item that allows, allows men and women to open up and talk proactively without having their guard up. Mm-hmm. Because the item becomes a, okay, well, what type are you? And guys that are real and authentic, you know, usually if they don't know about the Enneagram or psychological tests, most of them do. They'll say, oh, I'm this type of person. They want to have that dialogue to showcase who they are. Right. And as I said, with some of the, some of the women um, groups and people we've talked in the past, they'd say, well, I'd say here, I'm type seven. I'm, you know, gregarious, hearty in your face. Burton's very reserved, quiet, you know, has likes to have the, his, you know, his wife on his arm and walk, you know, with a lot of sophistication through a place and be, be, be revered and stuff. And women would say, well, I don't like that type. I like this type. I've dated that type. I don't like this type. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, I'm comfortable being who I am. You know, then don't pick my type. You're the one that picks me. So it's a response. There's, there's a two role responsibility. One, the woman's got to choose the guy and know what she's choosing. Mm -hmm. sure. the, guy, the guy needs the, the, the biggest downside to this is that women would come back and go, well, guys aren't being guys. Well, you're going to pick on the wrong guys. Find guys that are real. Because they are very authentic and they will say who they are. Right. And they'll be, they'll be proud of it. If you want to hear more of Michael Coogan's interview, be sure to tune in to episode 40 of the Women Road Warriors podcast. You could go to our website at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. Or you can type in Women Road Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts and look for our 40th episode. We're on all the major podcast channels like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, YouTube, and others. Stay tuned for another great New Year's segment coming up. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up.
Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Next up is Jean Peelan, the author of Feisty, a memoir in little pieces. Jean is a true woman trailblazer who's going to teach you the importance of being feisty. It's definitely a good word to know as we enter this new year. Jean has indeed been feisty. She wanted to be the first New Jersey cowboy at the age of five. She's had six unconventional careers when women weren't supposed to. These include being a federal civil rights attorney, chief of staff for U.S. Broadcasting, QVC model, politician, and author. A staunch feminist early, Jean hosted Gloria Steinem in Alabama. Tune into this next segment to hear some of her incredible story. Everyone needs a champion and inspiration in their lives, especially women. Jean Peelan is one of these people. She walks the walk. She's also a woman who's had six careers. Jean has moved mountains as a mother, civil rights attorney, former chief of staff for U.S. Broadcasting, a model on QVC Shopping Channel, and she was shortlisted as a finalist for the show Survivor. She was also a politician, and she's now an author. She teaches women it's never too late to accomplish their dreams, and she's still crushing it at 82. She inspires women of all ages with her group Old Women Who Write. Her new autobiography, Feisty, was released this year, and we've invited her back on the show to talk about it. Feisty's the story of a woman with attitude, told in short reflections that capture a life of awakening activism. From Jean's exploits as a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy to hosting Gloria Steinem in Alabama to an awkward drink with a young Clarence Thomas, Jean Peelan shares her civil rights journey and the most vulnerable moments in her life. This book is funny and sad, deep and wide. Feisty shines a light on what's possible when a woman rejects the role she's expected to fulfill and finds her own path. Jean's an amazing lady, and I must say, she sports a superwoman costume very well. That's on the cover of her book, with an F for Feisty. Jean's on the show with us today, and we're honored to have her back. Welcome, Jean. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. I've been wondering how you guys are doing. I so enjoyed the first interview we had together at least, what, six months ago, maybe. Yeah. And, Welcome um, back, beautiful lady. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and happy the book is done and it's out in the world. <laughs> I don't oh. have to be Yeah. <laughs> that's it's a, very exciting. That's always a sense of accomplishment. It's like, it's done. <laughs> yes. You got it. You got it. This This has been sort of amazing. You know, I started feisty during the pandemic, mm -hmm. actually, because I was bored out of my mind. And with because I live in a tiny house in a tiny house village in Western North Carolina. And the only thing there was to do here before the pandemic was Tuesday night taco trivia. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and 
And when, and, and so I was already bored. So when the pandemic hit, oh my gosh, I didn't know what to do because I couldn't even do taco trivia anymore. <laughs> so I decided to write. And, you know, three years later, it's really out there. It's on Amazon. It is in the hands of all my friends and family and hundreds, uh, approaching thousands of other people out there already. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Oh, I'm not. Your <laughs> your story is so incredible, and you're such an incredible lady. Oh, my goodness. And I love the title, Feisty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, that just came from sort of who I am and from it came from the first yeah. story in the book where where I tell why this book is called Feisty. Mm -hmm. Did you, I didn't know, did you want me to, you know, this book, Feisty, is has 65 chapters, which sounds like, oh my God, mm -hmm. War and Peace. However, each chapter is so short, it's a page or a page and a half. Okay. That somebody can read it, you know, when they're going to bed at night or whenever, and they can read a whole chapter and feel real good about it. And it's only been a page. Mm -hmm. So, did you want me to read it all while we're talking here? You like, can. How about you give us a summary of what it's all about? I mean, sure. um, how about we start out with when you wanted to be a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy, <laughs> where it all started. I love that. What is a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy? Okay. Well, I will tell you, and I will even read it to you. Okay. But the, the, what was I going to say, the idea of feisty, really, or sort of the underlying thought of the whole book was the world wanted me to nest. I wanted to fly. Ooh. And that underlines like everything it underlines my life really so okay let me tell you let me read you because i think you'll enjoy it okay what i wanted this is called 1949 age eight because this book goes through my life from age five to age 80 <clears throat> 82 now so what i wanted there aren't any cowboys in new jersey even so Every night, I slide out of bed quietly so as not to wake my sister. I put on the white half mask I got for Halloween and stand at the end of my bed facing the closet where the bad guys live. I let my hands drift over my pretend six guns, ready to shoot. It's a face down. I walk slowly, leather holsters slung around my hips, down the dusty street toward the bad guy. You sure you want to do this, partner? I ask my voice soft but powerful. He cowers at the sight of me and my guns. I fast draw my guns. The bad guy surrenders, hands up. I perform this theater over and over, never tiring of the look of surprise on the bad guy's faces and the feeling of power flowing through me. I learned everything I know about being a hero cowboy from the four o'clock Western. Good guy line, come on cowboy, you know that's not the right thing to do. Bad guy line, we'll ambush them in the canyon. Cowboys never seem afraid and never seem to doubt the outcome, while the bad guys are always wrong about it. The good guys in the movies never draw first. They wait for the bad guy to make the first move, then beat him to the draw. I'm not sure it's a great idea to wait for the bad guy to draw first. I would want the advantage. I think I can draw first and still be a good guy. I could be the first New Jersey cowboy. I love it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I that love is great. it. <laughs> yeah. So every every chapter in Feisty 
-hmm. It goes through my whole life, as I said, from age five to age 82. But every chapter is just a moment in time. It's just presented. It's a conversation with my mother or an experience which was not good with the school janitor or having a drink with my then boss, Clarence Thomas, you know, or all the way through my life, every, I just picked moments that have stayed in my mind for years and years. And sometimes I don't, didn't, don't even know why. I mean, did you ever have um, memories that stay in your mind and oh, yeah. you don't know quite why, why are they so present, even when they didn't seem to mean a whole lot at the mm -hmm. time? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, that that's what I did with feisty. I mean, I talked about I talk about births, deaths, you know, marriages, divorces, lovers, whatever. But I also started writing down those small memories because my thought was if they've stayed in my brain for all these years, they have to have some meaning. They have to have raised some emotion in me. And I started that's that's what I really loved about writing feisty. I got to look at all those old little memories and write them down and understand why they mattered. That's a rare opportunity. It I really wanna... is. It's kind it's of not... cathartic, isn't it? To, oh to my God. Something it's, like it, that. It's the cheapest therapy in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I've been going on um, TikTok and talking to people about write your life, you know, write your life. Yeah, uh, because it is so therapeutic. I had always wondered, I don't know if you all wonder, I think you all are too young to wonder this much about what my life really had been about. You know, what was it? It seemed like to me, it was sort of a series of random events that just popped up. And some I said, okay, and some I said, no, but I never knew really what it was about. And because I didn't know, I didn't know if I had lived a good life or a, if I, a bad life or what it was. And writing about my life has made such a difference for me. I'm now very comfortable that my life had a meaning, it's had purpose, uh, it had a storyline, you know, a through mm -hmm. line. Um, I can't tell you the joy that I've had from writing it. And that's even before it got published. So, you know. Your life has been so amazing with all of the different changes you went through and you, in spite of it all, hung on to who you are. You didn't want to conform. You wanted to be Jean. You didn't yes. want to be this person that everybody said you had to be. That's which, absolutely correct. That's so inspirational for so many people because I think we all get stuck into this cubby hole, don't we? Here, you sit yes. here and you stay there. Yes, yes, absolutely. I absolutely think that. Yeah. And, you know, lest you, lest you and your listeners think that everything in here is serious and, you know, that I, I did become a civil rights lawyer at age 35, well, I was 38 before I got out of law school with two kids. But lest you think that everything was serious and I'm just a driven person for public service, let me read you a little chapter called Don't Fence Me Out. Okay. It was in 1980 and I was 39 years old and I had moved from Alabama and law school to Washington, D.C. 
to the big le the big leagues. Okay, don't fence me out. I have one leg over the top of the tall fencing when the searchlight hits me. The DC Metro police car pulls further into the alley and stops. Freeze! There's not a single excuse I can make for where I am and what I'm doing. The bar manager's parting words as he closed the bar tonight, sure, come on over to my place anytime, meant to me, come on over tonight. I didn't know about any security fence, but between me and Johnny Walker Red, I wasn't going to let that stop me. I freeze as ordered, working to keep my balance on top of the fence. Oh God, I can picture the headline in the Washington Post, federal attorney arrested breaking into local bar manager's house. I am hot for the bar manager. I look at him and see bad boy romance. He's everything I should not want. A high school dropout, Vietnam Marine, a macho man, a bar manager. He's the direct opposite of what the world would have me look for, a successful lawyer or businessman. But I see tall, tough, smart, funny, rule breaker, and very, very sexy. I hear laughter. The cops are laughing. He must be really good at it, one snickers from within the car. I know the voice. It's one of the many cops that hang out at his bar. They know him and they know me. The bar manager's back door opens. He comes out, baseball bat held as weapon. What the hell, he says. Oh, it's just one of your friends come to see you, yells the cop. The bar manager grabs my hand to help me over. Welcome, he says. That's it. I like it. That's hilarious. That's it. That's it. So, yes, I was doing civil rights work during the day. I was working um, on policies uh, to ensure that women, female athletes got equal opportunity in, in schools and colleges all over the country. I was working to be sure that um, limited English proficient children got educated, that children with disabilities got educated um, on all of those issues. But in my spare time, I was having a good time. <laughs> you know, that's kind of key, isn't it? We forget yeah. how to have a good time along with everything that we're doing. Yes, yes, I think we do. I think we do. And I think we've got to allow ourselves, you know, to say, right now, I'm going to have a really good time. You know, right now I am. Now, later in my life and later in the book, I talk about Johnny Walker Red got out of hand, you know. And I had to take some serious steps about that. But the thing is with Feisty, a memoir in little pieces, it's all in here. I hide nothing. I don't hide the wonderful times and I don't hide the really hard times. They're all here, page by page. It's basically my life on a plate is how I think of this mm, book. Sure. You know, anybody who's read it knows more about me than my mother ever knew for sure. You know, stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to MyTaxHelpMD.com for a free consultation and get your life back. 
Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to hear more about Jean Peelin, be sure to tune in to the rest of her interview in Episode 101 on Women Road Warriors. You can visit our website at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our Episodes page, or you can type in Women Road Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts and look for our 101st episode. Women Road Warriors is on all the major podcast channels like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, YouTube, and others. We truly hope you've enjoyed this New Year's special episode and that Kathy and I have inspired and entertained you. We wish you all a healthy, prosperous, and feisty New Year. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm-hmm.